Hello and welcome back to the Neil Plus One podcast with me, Neil Curran. In this episode, I get to speak with Katie Shute and Chris Mead, who perform with The Maydays and with Project 2, amongst many other things that they do. I'm big, big fans of Chris and Katie. I met them some years ago and they had a huge influence on me and my improv. Uh, this is recorded during the Barcelona Improv Festival and I hope you enjoy it. Hi, welcome. I'm here with uh, Katie Shute and Chris Mead. Hello. Hello. Of many of many projects, um, and we're here in Barcelona for the Big If Four. And maybe you guys could introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about who you are. Oh, uh, my name is Chris Mead. You said that now. Uh, I am an improviser. I play with uh, Project Two and the May Days. Um, uh, yeah, been improvising a while now. Probably the thing that I love most in the world. I would think the thing. There's people I love more, but. Barely. Um, <laughs> and you've made them do it. Well, so <laughs> made them fine. do it. Uh, yeah, I've been doing it for about seven years. Caught the bug when I saw Baby Woods Candy at the Edinburgh Festival in 2001. Uh, thought it was the most incredible thing ever. And have, have sort of dedicated my life to trying to wrestle this stupid, amazing, frustrating art form. You know, I'm just going to grapple with it from now on forever. I love it. Great. I hate it. I love it. Beat that, Katie. <laughs> uh, you're lucky you didn't get an hour out of this story. Um, <laughs> so what happened last time someone asked him. Uh, Check that out. No. <laughs> my name's Katie Shoot. I, I, I realised I've been doing improv since school, but I didn't really know it was improv then. Uh, but I've been doing long form and uh, other proper improv for about 12 years. Um, I, I'm counting it from when I first went to Second City after we've been doing short form for a bit uh, and went and learned some long form there and at IO and then I worked with the Maydays and I worked with Project 2 mainly and I spent over a decade doing a two-person show with Rachel Blackman and I play in lots of other random shows like Countdown to Doom I also have a podcast called Destination yeah, there's, there's loads of things uh, and I teach as well. and do corporate stuff Great a decade of doing something for a decade. That sounds very milestone. <laughs> like a decade. That wasn't even the first thing she said. That was sort of like six things. Oh, and then a decade of this show. Oh, yeah. Okay, anyway. It's pretty great. Do you find it, a, a, this is a curious question, when you have such a, an impressive, for both of you guys, you have such an impressive resume, as the Americans would say. Of, or a wasted of, life, as Brits would say. <laughs> <laughs> and then you're asked to give a bio for a festival or for something you're doing. How do you, how do you approach condensing that? I, I think I just have different word count ones on a in a file somewhere, and I just give them the amount of words they want. Um, but then it's weird, isn't it? Because stuff that I see is like, ooh, that's a sexy, cool thing to have on my CV. Like someone else might never have heard of it or give a shit. Mm. So I don't know. Like, I, uh, I think if I had the time or patience I would look at that festival and figure out what they cared about yeah which can sometimes be hard to tell yeah and festivals it's become this competitive uh, almost battlefield there's so many festivals now happening particularly in Europe 
there was three festivals in the one week there a couple of weeks ago. There was Slapdash, there was Birmingham, and there was Tallinn. Yeah. 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 Two in the same country. Yeah. yeah which the is, balls. Which is incredible. I went to the one that wasn't in my city, which is stupid. Me too. With, with you, though. <laughs> yeah, right? with me. With you. It sounds yeah. more exotic to say you performed in a different country than in your local town. Well, it was Birmingham. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it might feel like a different country. Um, All the laws feel different. It's in, uh, in the north. Yeah. Yeah. Mid- Midland. <laughs> I uh, I think the more the more veteran you are improviser the the smaller your biography is. I reckon like Joe Bill is probably like oh yeah I, I did, I, I'm I, Joe Bill I did the Annoyance Theatre you know he probably that's all he has to say because it mm. just doesn't that status thing doesn't matter anymore. Yeah, that's true. So I definitely go towards the kind of trained at I O and Second City and the Annoyance and you know teach around London or something you know just like. <laughs> Just Chris me if out. you don't like improv, I don't like you. Well, no, I don't mind people. <laughs> They're all right, aren't they? I felt like there's some really nice, like, human rights lawyers and things. They're nice people. I mean, not interesting to talk That's to. The only, <laughs> the only profession that is an improviser is <laughs> <laughs> those two, isn't it? And That's not, the choice I made. The only kind of lawyer is one subsection of a different career. I was just trying to think of a job that I thought was laudable. Uh-huh. What about a lord? Very laudable. <laughs> Probably the most laudable, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm wrong. I'm wrong. There are others. Now, here's an interesting one. There is a a uh, boarding school in Ireland. Um, I think it's in Limerick. And uh, the, the principal of the school is a priest, I believe, who trained at Second City. I only found this out. To be a priest. <laughs> he trained at Second City to be a priest and then joins the priesthood to learning from his his masses are like a nice pacing yes he asked for a suggestion at the top (laughs) god all right guys (laughs) his object work is incredible um but yeah i've I've kind of been trying with the idea because we're trying to do some work together of seeing if i can get him up but then there's also that thing of well we don't want him to do improv because he's a priest and let that be a thing because we know what happens when religion comes up in improv um particularly in ireland (laughs) blasphemy is still a law (laughs) And, but on that, have you come across situations? Because you've tra- we've played in a lot of countries. Have, have, do you notice that there's different taboo topics or there's no-go areas or different in different countries or how audiences react to things? We just don't notice, do we? <laughs> <laughs> we just don't get invited back. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of specific examples. I mean, we were, we were talking just this year about how gender politics is different in different countries. Um, so it's this is Jenny Rowe who's just walked in. This is all live. Jenny Rowe. So this is that. This is even. You know, you get three improvisers for the price of two. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I was just saying. Uh, yeah, the gender gender politics is. I don't know if that's the right phrase, but the the way that both women and men uh, play and play with each other and cast each other. <laughs> in terms of shows and I really want to give an example but I can't because it'll be so bad no actually I don't care I'm going to so we saw a show recently by a company and Ooh, who uh, could it be who could it be <laughs> we'll do this and we'll go. so only the people that saw it will know who it is um, where a bunch of them were pl- playing sperm and it was uh, one one guy kind of talking about it and then three guys came on to be sperm and also a woman came on two to ladies them. both the ladies was it both on. of them yeah oh yeah and then they were like they basically went you you guys can't be sperm and sent them off 
<laughs> because they were women, and it was so weird. And and uh, someone from Nadia's pointed out that one of them slapped one of their asses mm. as they left, as a like, you know, it was all a joke. But unfortunately, they didn't own that joke by making the rest of the show really balanced and amazing. It wasn't a comment on society; it was a comment on them and how they play. So I I think I'm sure there are things we do that may be uncomfortable in different places. I definitely swear mm. a lot on stage, and I'm sure that's okay in some places and not in others. And mm. I I don't mind saying can't, but uh, maybe other people would she mind just, that. She just did it, she just to demonstrate how much I was like, but you it's swallowed your it. podcast. You no, swallowed it. So I did. I was trying to be polite. <laughs> um, I don't know. I mm-hmm. And I actually, the Christianity thing is, is a thing. Mm. Because I... I can be easily quite bitchy about that, but yeah. um, it doesn't go down well in some places. I'm a Christian, and I find that people still think they're punching up when they make fun of Christianity. Like, Christians are, like, the majority, where we're a massive minority I now. I feel like that. Mm. I feel like I sh- I'm punching up. Mm. Yeah, and it's uh, it just it feels like everyone's doing it. It's not actually... <laughs> it's like you're just punching a little cowering thing in the corner now. Yeah. I realised it was. <laughs> but, but for a lot of people, you you grow up with it and it's mm. forced down yeah. your throat. Well, for me, anyway, my mm. aunt shouldn't be generalising, maybe. But for me, the reason I punch up at it is because, like, how dare you make hours and hours and hours of my life and mm. my whole school life be singing songs about something that I don't believe in and I'm not interested in. Mm. Like, yeah. I find that unfair and it annoys me so much that I want to react against it still mm. yeah it's um, yeah I find it really interesting that people take my religion and think that's me as well whereas like I, I like I can't have my own set of values and stuff over and above but that. a lot of your values this is getting very personal now <laughs> a lot of your values aren't the same as normal Christian stuff no I'd say that they are the same as Christian, they're not the same as the church, which yeah, I think is a different organisation. You know, like yeah. it's become a different thing. But when I'm like, Chris, do you believe in God? You're like, no, not really. <laughs> <laughs> he believes in everything else. He believes in being nice to people, which makes sense. Yeah, so it's, it's a really hard one. Is this is what you wanted? A religious discourse? No, we're <laughs> no, This is a Project Two therapy. <laughs> we still like each other. Let's hold hands for a second. So let me ask you then, Chris. Does, do you, does, does that does that spiritual background then does that influence or have any impact on your improv on stage? I don't feel like it... I feel... I have to be very careful here, but... So, there are things that I've arrived at through religion that you can totally arrive at without a religion being there at all, including being nice to other people, mm. putting you know, putting other people first, trying to see the best in people, finding joy. I found that through, through the lens of religion. I was but I, your crucifix falling off. <laughs> <laughs> but I absolutely, not for a second, think that that's the only... That, of mm. course that's not the only way you can get there. Yeah. So, yeah, the person I am is because I'm a Christian but you can totally get there through a lot of other religions and through absolutely no religion. So, yeah, but that's the lens. You know, I'm very lucky in that I had um, a really positive experience of religion, no bigotry, no judgment. I had... It, and it made me who I was, and I'm very proud of it. Mm. But um, I think also we, because me and Chris are in the same show, I probably wouldn't d- do Christian stuff hard if it came up, <laughs> apart from the fact that you're, you're in any of those shows that you're in. I'll be like, Chris will take care of this. And the same the other way around, if it's like a g- generic pagan uh, comedy thing. We're, I think we're quite good at having a back and forth of... It taking makes the that piss, group more interesting. The piss, representing each side. In a we always joke that a few hundred years ago, 
I'd be trying to burn Katie. Yeah. Katie would be like, texting me. It's all because of the King James Bible, <laughs> because he changed poison into wit, because he had a paranoia about it. There you go. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Cool. Well, we've, we've kind of talked a little bit about Project Two, and um, I'd like to talk about that a bit more. So, mm-hmm. um, I'm assuming the story I have in my head about how it all came about is definitely not made up. But why don't you share with us how Project Two came about and tell us a little bit about it? We were grown in a lab. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Project Two is a science fiction show. So we uh, improvise within the infinite genre that is science fiction because that is not one genre in the same way that you might say, say, an action movie or something, that we have a good idea of what that is. It's more like um, you might see romance in a lot of films that are not a rom-com or whatever, and in the same way you might see science fiction that can also be a thriller or a horror or or a romance or whatever. So uh, just to describe the show, it can be anything from sort of uh, Futurama, like gaggy, fast, silly, archetypal show, or it can be something like a kind of moody 70s dark star kind of weird thing. Yeah. I just want to check line. with Jenny. Jenny, are you going, are you showering now? Yes. We should pro- uh, with that, uh, you're okay with such things? Not that you shouldn't get, you should down, so whether we <laughs> should move is all I'm saying. I, uh, the, the, the listeners will enjoy having Jenny. <laughs> okay. We'll sorry. play some sexy music. It's going in the shower. <laughs> I should say the shower is in a completely uh, see-through perspex box in the yeah. middle of the room. Uh, <laughs> I'm just going in the toilet. <laughs> and so is that. She showers in the toilet. Um, so your question was our origin. Is yeah. That correct. Um, well, you, you should start because you're ahead of me. Yeah. So I have a friend called Jonathan Monkhouse. Jonathan Peter Funkhouse Monkhouse. And he has been my friend since I was 16 years old. We met at Christian camp. Uh, <laughs> uh, he, uh, yeah, we, we, we did musicals together. <laughs> we met doing Barnum. No, it was Barnum was the first thing we did. Uh, so he's been my friend forever. And uh, we've done a lot of stuff together. And uh, he broke up with a girl and needed cheering up so I said you should come to an improv class it wasn't just me a couple of people suggested you should come to improv Uh, and he did and uh, I just thought after we had been improvising for a while this thing of us knowing each other for getting on 20 years or it was 15 at the time or how how old is project two about four Okay, 16 years. This is something that you can't manufacture. You can't, like, that kind of level of knowing each other is something you can't, you know. This means something. We should do something. We're both geeks, and no one was doing a science fiction-themed show. And also, before that, they were doing uh, 8-Bit, both John and Chris and a bunch of other London improvisers. Which Katie coached. Which was uh, Maria, Ginny, Rhiannon, John, Chris, Dave Waller, and Nikki Kidner. Yeah, so, like people who are like uh, we're all part of the scene now but mm. I've, I've said this a lot of times so I'm going to say again sure. they had the best we had the best rehearsals of any improv show I've ever been in and the worst shows of any you know improv- difference was I was not in the show <laughs> I mean that is sort of right let's not that is sort of right but anyway so we we did a short form thing together we did a long form thing together and we thought okay let's try to improv let's try genre let's do that and of course we wanted Katie to be our coach because Katie is amazing and also an unrepentant geek and nerd <laughs> as well. Like, and, and, you know, we were talking earlier about the fact that Katie's got like decades of experience. There weren't 
many people who had that amount of experience and also knew, had all the same cultural touching points as we did. Mm. So very soon after starting, John was like, Katie should be in this show. And I was like, Katie's not going to be in that stupid science fiction show. (laughs) (laughs) We are paying her to be here. That's the only reason she's sharing the room with us. And it turned out that Katie wasn't as clever as I thought she was. Didn't have as much taste as I thought she was. I was like, this must just be a way of not paying me. (laughs) Uh, Which turned out to be true. So, Mm. uh, yeah, I was was very excited to join. Because it was such a cool... Well, idea for a show, and I'm sure we're not the first people to do sci-fi improv, but it's it's that thing of having a a genuine connection. We didn't go away and learn the genre. We all like different parts of it and genuinely get excited about new films that come out or something we've read or whatever. I tried to be more of a geek about it as well. I spent spent the first couple of years just reading all the, like a lot of classic science fiction. Mm. Maybe you don't know that. No, I do know that. Uh, okay. I'm still very <laughs> impressed about that. And I will do that at some point myself. Mm. But I was reading a lot of like, <laughs> Heinlein and uh, I don't know, Asimov and uh, kind of just yeah, trying to hit the basic ones that I knew the story of, I'd seen the films of and was like, no, actually I I need to read this <laughs> it, it, It's interesting because I've seen the show a few times and it's, it, it's, de- it's definitely one of my favourite shows uh, What I think is, is, is incredible is I know your geeky backgrounds, yet every show that I've seen, granted I haven't seen them all but the, the few that I have seen um, you avoid the, I imagine what must be a nerd if, you, if, you're, if, you, if you're a nerd about stuff like this you avoid that urge to get meta with it and you know, put in the references the nods to the other geeks in the audience um, and that's never happened in any of the shows, certainly not at the, at, at the level where we're nodding and winking at the audience mm-hmm. um, and I think that's, that's, a, that's one of the great things about the show is that you avoid doing that but is that something you're conscious of or is it that's really nice to hear you say that actually I think we've realised, we do do that sometimes yeah. but we consciously <laughs> try not to so I'm glad that you've seen shows where we're not going like, rub, 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 Star Trek everybody <laughs> um, uh, I would say that that's like a fallback or a fuck up sometimes that yeah. we'll reference mm. so we've spent a lot of time trying to make it about the people mm. and not about the sci-fi i've never thought about it in this terms before but i think the cultural artifacts we love are science fiction the improv we love is deep rooted grounded emotionally connected improv we all love tj and dave yeah. you know we we have all gone to something through the io mill and had that kind of imprinted in us so and you if you're doing waka waka like i'm ha- i'm gonna mention 30 things about star wars in this scene you can't have two real living human <laughs> beings even though they're not human beings uh sentient beings on stage mm. so the improv we love informs that hopefully but yeah. having said that we do sometimes <laughs> do 30 star wars references but and I, one of our fa- uh, yeah, i was just there was we did a show set on all around uh i know that actually that's there's that whole show of that like looking up and like oh a new moon this is amazing this is the best day <laughs> yeah. yeah so that sort of stuff is fun every now and then yeah. but as long as there's people did you, it's interesting you said because I, I do like I just I, I, there's specific scenes I still remember this day that uh, you know you know impressed me or blew my mind. I, I can remember the first time I saw Katie. You were doing the show with Jonathan, and there was the scene in the maternity hospital, 
Yeah. Um, and it, I think the line was, is it a baby or an alien? Are you expecting a baby or an alien? And, you know, you, you, you cut to a different show, you know, or even when you look at short form when it's science fiction, it's all about the, you know, let's really ramp the point home to the audience that we're doing sci-fi, which isn't, isn't as rewarding. And the subtlety of that scene was just just incredibly powerful and then when you did the show in Dublin I remember there was the Star Trek transporter scene the kid who was afraid of the transporter and uh, and then the Pacific Rim scene and at no point during <laughs> any of those scenes did you make reference to the fact that it was Pacific Rim or, or, or oh I see yeah we didn't name on the show I remember that Pacific Rim scene I thought it was fun because me and Chris were mind melded but also controlling one of those giant mech robots. And we were the mech robot as well. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But also, we like fancied each other, that so the, the robot went wrong. Because <laughs> we were not paying about. attention. Yeah. <laughs> that was good fun. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you get to do... You get It's cake and eat it, really, when you get to do a tender love scene and have a giant dancing <laughs> robot in it, too. I mean, that's pretty cool, right? <laughs> Why just concentrate on one of those things? <laughs> I think you get to... With, with the... Uh, with the weight and the import of decent emotional scenes and human connection, you you earn the money that you spend on stupid gas. Yeah. Which is great. Mm. So but I think you need to be you need to break even after a show. Yeah. <laughs> At least. Yeah. And um, uh, yeah, our batting average is nowhere near as good as y- you have very kindly said it is. But we are trying every day to be better. Yeah. Had had you seen many genre shows, specifically science fiction, before the project came out? Have we? S- I hadn't. I think John was the most experienced at having watched them because he'd spent time in. Had he already spent time in Texas? No, maybe no. not. No. no. <laughs> yeah. And we've since seen some great shows, and Katie's guested on an amazing Star Trek podcast. Oh, and they're stuff. great. Yeah, yeah. yeah, improvised Star Trek. That's yeah. Cool. We, still, we still don't feel like we're one of many people that, that no. do sci fi. It seems like such a rich, varied. And, and also, it, it has breakout potential because people come to our shows who just love sci fi. Mm. Um, yeah. Uh, and I think we've talked before. I, um, this is new to me, but I really love it. Someone described a geek. Well, I'll tell you who it is. It was Dylan Emery of Showstopper's fame. He, he, he described being a geek as loving something more than you love your ego. So, like, oh. to, to be okay with loving something at such a deep level that you don't mind you look stupid. And I think science fiction nerds are like that. Improvisers are like that. It's so we're all... And there's very few improvisers that aren't geeks about something else as well as improv because we know what it's like to feel that need to love something that deeply and doesn't matter what it looks like um yeah so i feel like we have crossover appeal because if you're like improv you probably love something else that much and you can relate to that sort of like yeah and and i think we all genuinely think science fiction as a genre is can can speak about things in a you know, it's all about metaphor and analogy, and yeah. um, and it's it's beautiful at that uh, uh, alienation and uh, way societies work. You can do, you can tell a stupid story of green fear of new things. Yeah. Like that's a huge, you know, if you just watch Battlestar Galactica or something, and they're all terrorism, religion, all, yeah, and they're all calling them all toasters and stuff. And it's like, how much do you trust them? And they're infiltrating. And it's just like. Yeah, there's Paranoid, so much about yeah. immigration and like uh, District Nine is just a like obvious like straight down the line yeah, political it, commentary. It, that's something because I could get on, on this as well. That, yeah, 
Same goes for the horror genre. It's mm. never, you know, it's never about the monster. It's about what the monster represents, or it's mm. never about the threat. It's what the threat represents. Yeah. And it's kind of fun. It's always fun to geek out about things like that, mm. um, particularly with the alien films. I mean, oh, um, you're lucky, John isn't here. He would now talk about Alien for the rest of the podcast. I mean, it is amazing. I like watching those, sh- uh, like one and two next, de- well, Alien and Aliens next to each other because they're so, so different. different, but still both amazing. I was at a screening of Aliens recently where they had a symphony doing the music, <laughs> and I was sitting up the front, and it was incredible. It was the the audio that for the film itself was pretty poor, yeah, but the symphony, and I was pretty close to the front. The symphony was incredible. But the reaction they got, there were so many nerds in the action the symphony got. And I was kind of wondering, like, these guys are highly trained. And, you know, how do they view the music? Do they play? Do they kind of view this as their their way of playing a three-chord song on the guitar? Mm. Um, or is there something they're getting a kick out of? But the reaction they got from the audience at the end of the the end of the film was just so incredible that's wicked I know that if John ever gets a new sound system the first thing he, or a TV the first thing he'll do is watch the beginning of Aliens because there's so much in the sound that mm. you can check the levels of everything yeah <laughs> I watched the Matrix lobbies <laughs> bullets like the plaster falling down or something like that much less uh, highbrow <laughs> I mean that's the James Cameron one I'm talking about yeah okay, yeah, okay. yeah yeah, a bit more which he only did to fund trips to the bottom of the ocean like well done James yeah well, we all have our we all have our our secrets in our closets yeah um, getting on looking at your improv because both of you are incredibly well trained and um, what I mean by that is that you're you <laughs> roll over uh, you've trained with so many teachers and so many schools mm-hmm. and you know this is something that I ask people here in Europe you know that we don't we don't have the dedicated schools in Europe so we're all learning through a hybrid system yeah. so how has how do you how does that change your view of what improv means to you or how what is your view of what improv means I think um uh, the older I get, the better I am at dealing with different systems. I think the arrogance of youth makes you commit to one school or another, like this one is correct and this one is incorrect, and screw any teacher that says theirs is the only and best way, because I think that's nonsense. I, th- I agree wholeheartedly with Bill Arnett, who's one, who's the Mayday's kind of spirit animal. He's amazing. Yes. He's a uh, Chicago, and he he's all about the, the, the way you rehearse, the way you perform... Uh, the way you warm up, everything should suit the show that you want to do. So, for um, yeah, for for different shows and different formats and different styles, you you need all these tools available to you so that you can fit into any show that you want to play in. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and Project Two is maybe the broadest of all the shows I do. But like as we said earlier, sci-fi is so wide that we try and do. Uh, game of the show in the in the first couple of scenes we should figure out what type what of science kind of fiction yeah. movie or book or whatever that that is uh panning out like and then we just dig into it like okay this seems like a a slow burn uh, horror mm-hmm. you know that's gonna that's a a bottle episode in one place or something so we'll be like great we've we've discovered the rules of this show so what tools do we have then we have a lot of silence we have a lot of um subtext we have a lot of um uh, getting everything from the other person or whatever or we have a um, kind of we've done like cop 
kind of space cop show type things and then you know you're gonna you're gonna heavily play the cliches it's probably going to be quite gaggy it's going to move faster we're going to use a different type of edit it's not going to be a slow fade it's more likely to be a tag out or or a quick kind of montreal style one thing straight to the other so i for me personally the more i can collect the the more uh useful that is because i've just got more stuff that i can use depending on what show we end up in but, yeah, yeah. I, I'd echo the Bill Arnett thing. Um, he, if you sort of imagine your improv shed, uh, and when you start, you've got like a hammer, <laughs> like hang on. And my dad's one, he That's was he, he would uh, <laughs> he would like trace round. Oh, lots of dads must have done this. Trace round the tool and have two nails sticking out, and they'd put the hammer on the tracing like it was a dead body. Uh, and uh, I sort of see going to different schools is you're putting more and more tools in your improv shed, and then. For a show, the ideal is then you put on your tool belt and you pick six, and they're the six things that you will use for that show. Uh, uh, and the and but the the improv shed is infinite, you know that wall of tools. Hmm. Uh, there's there's so much space still, and that's what excites me. And I realised, I think maybe even this year is that improv is my life's purpose. Like I'm not saying that I'm particularly good, but I'm going to be doing this. Bef- the day before I die, I will be teaching improv or coaching improv or being in improv just because that is what my life's going to be. Finding new tools and at some point making tools like, like of the, my own. In this analogy, there's a really dark, creepy part of the shed where all the like <laughs> guns and shit are. <laughs> that I will never and, use. And bloody chainsaws and uh, shivs. Yeah, oh, um, I need to put some more lighting in so it doesn't <laughs> seem so creepy. Uh, but yeah, no, bear I think... Traps, th- there's bear traps in there. There is. <laughs> it's like a May mother improvises to yeah, <laughs> keep them, them in my improv shed. But I have to say, though, even like a sort of bear trap thing is sometimes useful if you're getting a lot of shit from another improviser and you're like, the only way to solve this is to shut them down. I'm not saying I do that more than once every five years, but you are like, I'm sorry, buddy. This is over. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, if there's some someone that's being overbearing and giving someone else a bad time, or they're so steamrollery, you have no other option. It's like, you know, the thematic wheel out part, the dark of me part of the shed is feeling like I have to move back to religion now. And there's something about religion <laughs> which is there is no one more evangelical than a new convert, right? The people who just feel like they've been saved or something, they would. And that's why they think there's just it. one God. True. Whereas, you know, sensible pagans are like, there's a, there's a whole pantheon. So <laughs> I find I find the same thing with improvisers. The new improviser is the most um, evangelical and will stick to uh, gospel, improv gospel, mm. which is their improv gospel, the thing that they've and learned. And the one, the one school, the one person that they believe in. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Whereas, and I think uh, this, this holds true, but as you get older, you realise that you definitely don't have all the answers and that holding to any one doctrine is nuts. Yeah. Uh, that doesn't stop. Like, but uh, I feel that's the, the, yeah. how we move in when we... But yeah, uh, there's definitely people who are... I also think there's a different journey for different people, and maybe that's obvious, but um, like I read Mick Napier's book at exactly the right time for me. Like I'd been doing a lot... I owe sort of my, my, ho- my spiritual home, mm. I guess, because I spent the most time there earlier on. Um, although Second City also but um, yeah I just uh, I can't remember where I was going with that that, was, that made no sense <laughs> Katie likes that yeah uh, oh yeah so because I was reading Improvise which is like the oh I'm so sick of seeing this gravedigger scene with two people 
digging a grave or you know all the go-to scenes where you're like oh i've seen this so many times please do something more interesting but if i'd read that in day one i might have been paranoid about the kind of scenes that i was making so it was really important that i could just be expressive and and fuck up and do all the cliches probably Mm. for a few years and then connect with that annoyance and go how do i how do i how do i feel risky again I don't want to feel risky at the beginning. I want to feel safe. But now I feel safe. I want to feel risky. And we all go on that up and down. So I think different schools help with those things. I like the... uh, You're going to pay over a thousand police officers as an improviser. If you keep doing it, you're going to play thousands of police officers. Some as main characters, some as walk-ons. Like, you're going to have to find a way to keep that interesting. If you have the one way of playing that police officer, then you are... That's... You're not going to last. But so you've got a glory in that possibility of like what am i going to do this time i'm, I'm going to be... do a show called stakeout which is literally two cops in a car <laughs> don't say on here spot. someone's going to do it first I'm of all now okay oh, jen's <laughs> going to do it jen is half naked in a corner of the room if anyone was worried about that that uh, strand of the podcast i'm now, I'm now half naked and <laughs> um, so i'm conscious that we all have shows tonight to get to but i do want to ask you two more questions uh one is from a teaching perspective is there an area that you've been teaching in recently or maybe something that you've seen students do that you'd like to give a tip or an exercise um, oh i discovered uh, i was in sweden and uh, gothenburg last week and i as a teacher, just discovered a new way of teaching a two-prov two edit, <laughs> which I'm excited about and I want everyone to try it, which was getting people to play freeze tag, which I think people are probably familiar enough with me not to describe it. Um, and then uh, instead of other people jumping in, just those two people, one of them shouts freeze, and then they start a new scene from where they're at. Um, and they do that for a while. And then we take the word freeze away. So then it just moves from one scene to another without them changing position. And, and the freeze becomes minimal as well. So it's just completely tuning in with when the other person wants to be in a new scene. Nice. And that's pretty sexy. Yeah, so I enjoyed that. I want people to try that. <laughs> uh, I like the idea of liking the person that you're on stage with, at least the beginning of the scene. I see so many mm. scenes that jump into conflict immediately, give you no time to play, or like people just think conflict's so fascinating that they must jump to it immediately. So I love the dummy exercise, or I think specifically Jason Schott's exercise of over-acceptance. Literally, you begin by going, yes, 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 yeah, 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 to everything the other person does. And then then that's the first round, and then the second round is just to keep that as a mantra in your head. And just that thing of being like, yeah, 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 of being amused and interested, which is also a TJ thing, right? The TJ Bob of acceptance, digging whatever you're doing. Katie and Rach... Uh, we is did, it amazing? Amused and interested is our, our terminology mm. from just discovering that from Alexis Gallagher as well. Yeah, it's yeah. all the same. But there's no, of yeah, course, yeah, it's yeah, all the yeah. same discovery, <laughs> you know, because it all it works. Yeah. So that's why it comes so, from different places. So anything around that, I think, is uh, a brilliant big thing that will transform even beginners' improv to just be in that space rather than the I'm going to uh, hate and vilify everything that you do and say. Yeah. Cool. Um, God, I could talk to you guys for hours. I know we can't. I do have one other question for you. And <laughs> um, I'm just pointing this. This is not who's what's your favourite improv troupe, but just is there something you've seen recently that that you really enjoyed, tickled your fancy, or made you forget you were an improviser and enjoy the show? Uh, Chris knows mine because I keep going on about it. Yes, um, it's, let's say it together. One, two, three. Dasarisky. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I really enjoyed the show. I actually saw it last year in Texas, and. 
I have seen a lot of great improv, but there, I think the more improv I do, the less troops you happen to see that change your world. Obviously, because you've just seen more stuff, so it tends to be less of a like, oh, fuck, this is so cool. But I just really loved them, and I was trying to describe last night, like, why? And it's, there's no real good reason. They're all just really good at all the basic mm. things that we do. They don't drop the ball ever. Everything's important. Um, in that show, they were playing the same characters the whole time, and everyone had a lot of agency and a lot of um, nuanced emotional power. And they had Stephanie Weir guesting as well, which is, doesn't hurt, does it? No. Have Stephanie Weir in something. And as I well. took two of their classes, and they were both excellent, game-changing things for me in my improv as well. And it's really nice to see a, a show that fulfills something in the same way that a workshop does. So you know, uh, you know walking the talk or whatever that phrase is <laughs> uh, so that walk. really I think they're super great cool yeah. Chris I uh, one was a, uh, the show off one is I was there at IO when it reopened and it was TJ Dave Scott Adsit Bob Dassey and Stephanie Weir just did a one off show and Two that, of those people were in the show that I yeah, yeah yeah that, that was that was like watching kind of the Beatles reforming sort of thing I could like that was beyond anything I've ever seen but I don't feel like that's a fair one because people can't go and see that now Um, but yeah so that was mind-blowing but the one now and it just came out of nowhere really uh, was a group called Three Pete who are IO house team they are um, non uh, the only non-white team in that IO has like completely Um, non-white they are so funny and so brilliant. And also, uh, like, they make references that are outside my... Cul- I, they're not something that within my cultural reference, which I find fascinating. Like, I'm not in on this joke. People are loving it. But they are so skillful and brilliant that it doesn't matter. Uh, they're like a breath of fresh air. I thought they were... It just knocked me completely sideways. And it was literally something I went to because... I had flown in to Chicago and wanted to see something that night because I, you know, I'd gone out to the theatre and it, they were the last thing on. So I didn't pick it for any other reason than that was the ticket that was available. And they were incredible, so incredible. Um, and that was just about group mind, energy, playfulness, and not doing any of the things that we feel like you have to do because other improv shows do it like their introduction is different the way that they uh move between scenes is different and it's yeah it was it was amazing so i say that one because you can still go i think it's every monday and go and see three pete if you're in chicago or if you're visiting i would heartily recommend it mm, great uh, katie shoot chris Mead, thank you very much thank you bye, bye.